Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So, one of the things that we're actually working on trying to create within Windsor Christian Fellowship is better, um, I'm going to call it a feedback loop. And, and what we do is on the app that he just showed you, there's a little section called Connect. And we know it's not the perfect system right now, but we'll develop it as we go along. But for now, if you want to give us some feedback on our sermons, if you want to give us feedback on the worship, and I mean, uh, there's, there's comments that are like, it was great, that's good. But if you want to like create conversation, questions, like hopefully today when I talk, I'm going to create some questions. Do you ever leave church with questions? No? So Jesus is the answer, and that's good. <laughs> Anyhow, we want to create some feedback loops. So the idea is just go there right now and send it to us. And our long-term goal is to maybe go on the web and give some feedback on the feedback and create a conversation and start giving you a little bit more intentional information. So that's something we're going to be developing over the next little while. Uh, before I ask Mary to come up, I've asked... Jack to help me this time. And Pastor Howie helped me at first service. It's real easy. All I need you to do is when I say, you read those two lines one at a time. Okay. Okay? I got it. So Pastor Howie helped me at the first service, and I kind of need someone with a deeper voice. I don't have the deepest voice. It's a little bit tinty, you know, higher. So <clears throat> in the names, there's no similarity to actual persons. It's just kind of worked out this way with a joke. So there was these two boys that used to get in a lot of trouble when they were young. And anywhere in the community where there was trouble, these two boys were usually involved. And the mother was getting pretty frustrated with her two sons always being in a lot of trouble. So she told Brian and Timmy that they were going to go meet this new pastor across town who was having some really good conversations with people, these young people, and getting some good results and discipline. So the younger brother, Timmy, went up there first, and he sat across the desk from this pastor. And the pastor looked at this young man, and he said, Where is God? And Timmy looked a little stunned, and he didn't say too much, and he squirmed a little bit. So the pastor asked him again, Do you know where God is? And at that, Timmy ran out the door, ran all the way home, and hid under his bed. A little while later, Brian found Timmy hiding under the bed, and Timmy said, Brian, we got to talk. And he said, why is that? He said, you know what? God's missing, and they're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with our message today, however... Come on up here, Angel. So I've asked my wife to talk for a minute, or 10. <laughs> you give a preacher a microphone, it's always dangerous. You go ahead, sweetie, take your time. I will adjust my message to fit whatever time you leave me when you're done but we're speaking. we're one mind, sweetheart. Yes, I know. Yes, but no preaching my message this time, okay? I'll try. <laughs> so good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. 
So RJ and I wanted to um, just let you guys know that we wanted to say thank you so very much uh, for all of the love, all of the support, the encouragement, um, all of all the kind words that you have shared with us, not just la uh, last Sunday, which we were so excited about. Um, we were so happy that our heart was to really honor Pastor Rick and Kathy and to um, just let them know that, affirm them, encourage them, and let them know that their labor, like 37 years, like church, I don't know if you understand how amazing, how incredible that is. This church has been here for 37 years, and it's amazing. And that they have, it's here that Pastor RJ and I get to receive that from them um, because of the labor of love that they have given and they've put forth and they've sacrificed. So it was really our heart to make sure that we honored them and we respected them and that um, we are so excited for what God is doing in Canada. And if anything right now, Pastor Rick and Kathy really need your prayers even more because I really feel like what they're stepping into in the nation right now is even higher. And the voice that God is giving them is going to be so impactful. And the voice of influence that they're going to have is so going to impact the church in a great way. I really feel like the church is stepping into a Kairos moment. God is doing something. And God is doing something new in the church. And when God is doing something new, we have to understand it's a new thing. And it's never been done before. And so new things are going to be happening. And what I really feel like... Uh, one of the things God is doing in the church is he is really calling the church to um, rise up in, in our character, like in our love walk, in how we are in private, how we are in our private lives, not just on Sunday morning, but how we walk the walk. And that he's preparing us to receive the great harvest that he's really going to be bringing in. And one of the things... Pastor RJ, last Sunday, he made this comment, and he was really speak, he was speaking to our daughters, and he said, you know, girls, if you really think you live in a glass house now, just wait. And, you know, that comment, it did spark a little bit of conversation for us at home. And, um, you know, can I be real with you guys? Is this okay to j just, you know, because part of the vision of our church is that we are authentic, and being authentic means that you're real, like you're the real deal. And Pastor RJ and I, our heart is that we desire to walk with you. Like, we're a real family. You know, we are, we have four daughters. We're trying to raise our children in the same world you're trying to raise your children in. And our kids are not perfect. And I'm the first one to say, I am flawed and I am not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to be the first one to tell you that you may show up at my house one day and you may hear my voice across the street before you even get to my house yelling at my kids because they're not listening. Like, yes, I have to tell my kids 10 times to do things just like your kids do. Um, and what I want to say to you is it shouldn't be just Pastor Arjun and our family living in the glass house. What if we all lived in the glass house? Because if we're supposed to be real, and if we're supposed to be authentic, then that means we acknowledge that we, the struggle is real. We live in a real world. And that real world out there 
there's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people that are messed up. There's a lot of people that don't know whether they're coming and going and can't even think clearly. And when they come into the church, the bottom line is, I was asking our kids this, you know, last week when we were having conversation, do you think church is a safe place for you? And the reality is they didn't give me a quick answer of yes. And unfortunately, with my own experience, it hasn't always been the safest place. And God is really wanting us to become a church that first of all, in-house, that we're a safe place for each other. That we're not a place where we're hurting and when we're struggling, because this life we are going to struggle. We're not perfect and we're going to have our are times where we're really struggling with stuff based on our experiences or, or whatever it is that we are going to struggle. But are we finding church safe enough to come to a trusted friend and say, I'm struggling here. Will you pray with me and not that person go to somebody else and tell your business and judge you and criticize you and look down upon you? Are, we can't be that church. If we're going to walk in love truly and be an authentic church, those people out there who are really struggling with lifestyle choices that don't agree with the lifestyle choices that are in the Word of God, not my opinion, but in the Word of God. And when they come in here, are they going to feel safe? Are they going to feel accepted for where they're at right now? And we're not going to judge them, but we're going to love on them. And we're going to make them feel safe here so that when they come through the doors, they're going to feel welcomed when they come through the doors here. Because, but not, this, this isn't, church, our heart, Pastor Arjun and I, this isn't a performance up here. I, I can't perform. I could not maintain this level of performance up here. But we are about trying to be real with you trying to let you know that we want to walk this with you, that we are truly, like we're on our face seeking God on what he's doing and how we're supposed to be doing it. But we, in our own humanity, just like you, we're not, we're not perfect. And we have to look to God ourselves. And we all have to be there to support each other and love on each other if we're going to walk this out together as a church and then open the doors and say, bring the harvest in, Lord, because we're ready. Because we in our own hearts are ready. Because we're, we've loved on each other. And that's how the world recognizes, man, there's something different going on over there. Because the love that they have over there, it, it can't be missed. It, it's going to shine so brightly that they want to be here. Because it, we're real. We're an authentic church. And there's real people here. So I, I would really like you to just like, in the next weeks and months to come, I'm really like, God has really been showing me some things. And I'd really like you to think about what, what does that look like for you? What would it look like if we all lived in a glass house? Not just Pastor RJ and I and our family, but what if we all did? And what kind of church would that would look like? Amen? So would you... Join me right now in just welcoming Pastor RJ to the platform for his first Sunday, <laughs> delivering the message as lead pastor of Windsor Christian Fellowship. 
Thank you all. You're very kind to me. (laughs) Heavenly Father, please help all these people today. So today, I want to talk about the church I see. But it could be the church we see. And we're probably going to work on this until we stop coming up with new titles. No, (laughs) probably for a while we're going to work on the church I see because there's many aspects of this that we get to develop. But today, let's start with this. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Isn't that what the Bible says? So it's the love we have that shows the world that we're his disciples. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So when we're talking about this concept, the church I see is a church that loves people. First and foremost, no matter their background, history, or status in life, we want people to feel welcome in our community. Are we not the body of Christ? If we're the body of Christ, then people need to feel welcome. But see, in Romans 8, maybe I'll read it in a second, it shows us because the world is broken. You know this, right? It broke. And, and consequently, people broke too. This happened when the law of sin and death entered in. Adam and Eve, they fell in the garden and everything broke. And as a result of the brokenness in the world, we humans who are supposed to bear the image of God to earth aren't necessarily reflecting his glory as adequately as we should. We're not reflecting his true design. We're broken image bearers. And and because we're all broken, we have to have an understanding that true restoration and healing and wholeness only come through Jesus. And it's with that understanding that God calls men and women everywhere to repent and surrender themselves to his plan for their life. Let's, let's read that in Romans 8. And for this one, I'm going to go to the Amplified Version of the Bible. Uh, 18, we'll start reading there. For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed to us and in us. Anyone ever go through something? And the rest of you? (laughs) How many say the struggle's real? We all go through stuff. But God's saying... In the struggle, remember this, that the glory that's going to be revealed to you and through you is always greater than what you're going through right now. It gives us hope that we can look ahead for something better. And then, for even the whole creation, all nature waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subject to frustration and futility. Frustration and futility or to fertility, depending on which version of that, not willingly because of some intentional fault on its part. 
there's another translation that says the world was subject to a curse. See, at the fall, the earth became cursed, the earth became broken. At the fall, the law of sin and death entered people's lives and we became separated from God. We became broken. I said earlier, we're born alive. We sin at some point. The law of sin and death enters our life. We need Jesus as our savior at that point. It's very, it's very simple how that works, but what happens is the earth and people are both waiting for the sons and daughters of God, that's you and I, to go and bring this message of hope to them so that they too can come to that place of wholeness in Christ. It's waiting. It says that. But by the will of him who subjected in hope that the creation itself will be freed from the bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we too, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, which should be what? What's the first fruits of the Spirit? A joyful indication of the blessings to come. That version, oh, you've got the old Amplified and I'm reading the new Amplified. That's why the screens don't match. There's two versions of it. That's okay. <laughs> we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoption as sons, the redemption and transformation of our body at the resurrection. For in this hope we were saved by faith, but the hope, the object of which is seen, not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience and composure in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. So in this verse, it's talking about how creation came under a curse, both the earth and people. Jesus, before the foundations of the universe were laid, had a plan to reverse the curse. So God sent Jesus to earth. He lived a sinless life. And you know, sometimes people feel a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, if you're not really familiar with church, or maybe this is the first time you walked into the church doors, aren't you glad the roof didn't fall down yet? <laughs> But not only that, we can take it a step further. See, you can feel a little uncomfortable in a community of believers, especially if you're not within the community of believers. Have you ever been around a group of people and you feel like you just didn't fit in? You know, if everybody's trying to serve God and do what's right and you have no interest in serving God and doing what's right, you might not feel so comfortable here. We want you to feel welcome, but you may not feel comfortable. <laughs> But see, Jesus, think about his discomfort. He who knew no sin, he was perfect. He didn't have any sin anywhere. And suddenly he had to become sin to be the sacrifice for mankind's sin. So all of our sin, cumulatively, past, present, and future, was poured on him at the cross. And he became separated from God for the very first time. Can you imagine what that would have been like for him? If you ever felt alienated, let me tell you something. Jesus can relate to that. He would have been really alienated from everything that he knew. But see, because he was willing to endure that, it says God resurrected him from the dead. We know this. And now he's going to judge the living and the dead. Everything is under him. All authority is given to Christ at this point. So now... He's in a better place, but because of that, we can go into a better place as well. Because he was willing to endure. Now there's a way made for us. There's a path made for us. So now we don't have to stay in the family of sin. We can come over into the family of God.
And in the process of this, the earth gets redeemed, we get redeemed. Now, I don't think the earth will fully be redeemed until he returns and sets up his kingdom. Then again, how many of you are fully redeemed at this point? But we're in a process. We're getting better than we used to be. At least I am. How about you? Let's stay in that process. Never get out of the process. So there's this concept of love. And what happens is when we understand, we understand our own brokenness. We understand our great need for the Savior. It kind of creates a compassion in us for others who are struggling. We stop value judging other people based on face value. There's grace and mercy given to others when they mess up. Have you ever messed up? Do you prefer grace and mercy or do you just like judgment? There's always consequence, but we like grace and mercy, don't we? We can be gracious and merciful with people. There's always consequence. But brokenness changes our point of view when we realize that we have a great need for the Savior. You know, I once went to a cult church. I did. I wasn't thinking to join them. I just wanted to see what they did. I don't necessarily recommend this. (laughs) I'm pretty good with my theology these days. Most days. But here's the thing. I was actually kind of shocked and awed. I was amazed. Something happened when I was there that kind of blew me away. I had gone to maybe five or six different churches at this time in the Dallas area, some of the bigger churches in town. You might even have seen some of their names on TV. But I remember I walked into a worship service at this one place that was a very big church. I sat in my chair. I observed the worship and the worship service, and it was great preaching and worship. And then I left. I didn't speak a word to anyone. Not a single person spoke to me in that church. I even hung out in the foyer for a couple minutes just to see if someone would talk to me. I went to this cult church, little church, cult, not recommended procedure, but nonetheless, I wasn't there five minutes and I had five friends. They were the friendliest, most welcoming people. Now, I'll say this. Our our church has a really good reputation for being friendly and welcoming, but we could probably do that even a little bit better. You know, we're usually done pretty close to on time. At least we will be most of the time. You know, 12.30. Plan your day with an extra 10 minutes just to talk to people before you run out the door. Try it. You'll be awed and amazed. (laughs) People don't want to talk to you. They just want to run out the door. (laughs) But, but, But on a more serious note, you know what? If we want to welcome people in their brokenness, we can't value judge them. We have to love on them. And the primary way that you communicate love to people is what? Spend time with them. Share, do life with them. I think I have one daughter in here. I won't center you out, don't worry. But love is time. We have to spend time together. That helps us communicate love. And, and what happens is there's this concept that's pretty basic to Christianity. And it, and it basically unites the narrative within churches because what's happening is God is working in creation through Jesus. 
The Gospels paint a picture all the time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when they tell the story of Jesus, he's always reaching out to people who are on the outer edges of society and, and basically rejected by the culture of the day. Sometimes people get rejected because of physical issues or religious beliefs or economic beliefs or sometimes it's behaviors. But Jesus always reached out. Let's think about this. Jesus is walking down the street one day in a place called Samaria. And he goes to the well, you know, the hangout. And this lady comes to the well alone. That tells me something, because if you know Samaritan culture, the culture of the day, there's a couple things you need to know. Number one, let's set the foundation for this. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. How many knew this? Because the Samaritans were like half Jews, and then there was the purebred Jews, and they just didn't get along. Oh, what was the name of those people that used to feud forever? The Hatfields and the McCoys. They just couldn't get along. Remember them? <laughs> it was before my time I read about it. But see, the Jews and Samaritans get along. This woman came by herself, which is not part of the community. She was obviously ostracized from community. But then this Jew, who supposedly should hate a Samaritan, reaches out to her, makes her feel valued and affirms, right? Calls her to repentance, yes. I don't disagree with that. But at the end of the day, she was integrated back into community and the whole town came out to hear his message of hope. Jesus took someone on the fringe that was rejected and outcast, and he brought her back into community. We could go through narrative after narrative. Another one is the lepers. Now, in ancient days, when you had leprosy, do you know what life was like for you? Because as a leper, as you came walking down the street, if you had leprosy, you would have to cry out, hey, I'm unclean. I have leprosy. Stay away from me. You can't even come near me or touch me. How would you like to have to live that way? Can you imagine how rejected? They couldn't even be with the people they loved, their families. They had to stay separate from everybody. So Jesus came. He brought healing and restored them to what? Community. He brought them back into community. This is kind of love in action. Now, Jesus takes people who experience suffering, doubt, isolation, rejection, sickness, and he restores them by bringing them back to the fullness that only comes through the life in community. He also talks about God's love and mercy. He also talks about God's power and how God transforms our heart to change us from the inside out. I think this is the heartbeat of how we love people. You know, when Jesus reached out to people he just reached out to people because he loved people. There was no conditions attached to that. And, and really, he was most concerned about the well-being of the individual. He wasn't so concerned about all that other stuff. And he helped her to grow in faith. He helped her to restore broken relationships. And he helped her to become a participant in the community. 
This is something that we as a church have to do with people because remember, we're broken, so uh, when other broken people come in, what is your response? Only, only you can answer that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not that good. I can't answer for you. <laughs> but see, if we love people, we make them feel welcome. We make them feel a part of community. We help them belong with us here. And then as a community of believers, we do life together. And this is love. So I believe in there I said something like, the church I see loves people no matter their history, background, status in life. People feel welcome in our community. We are the body of Christ. So moving on from there, I want to go to the next church I see. We actually have a lot of these, but I'm only going to try to do one more today. 27 minutes. The church I see is a church that never stops preaching the Word of God from the Bible, of course, preaching a message of hope, healing, freedom, and deliverance to people everywhere. Now, when I start looking at this, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is what? It's inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what? What is right. So Scripture, the Word of God, is kind of really important inside of our lives as Christians. We need to make a point to take the Word of God and start applying it. He uses it to prepare and equip His people to do what? Well, what are good works? This will tie in with another church I see in a couple weeks. But good works are when we serve others. When we lay down our will and our desires and we take up our cross and we purpose to serve others. You know, there's people right now, right down the hall that are serving us because they're taking care of the little ones and training them in the way that's right sacrificially, because they can't be in here with us unless they come to one and serve one, like some do, right? You come to a service, you serve a service. A lot of places have that culture. We do too. You can come to one, you can serve one. That would eliminate some of the stress on others. <laughs> you do that once every three weeks. What do you mean? You're laying down your life. This is every good work. That's a good work. There's people that take time out of their life to come and do things like vacuum floors and change light bulbs and change ceiling tiles and, and other people shovel the snow in the winter. There's people that come and welcome you when you walk in the door and someone has to make the food for the visitor's room. Do you see, there's, someone has to go in the tank and baptize people. This is every good work. We'll talk about this more in another lesson. That's not really what I wanted to highlight today, but it's, pretty, it's a pretty fitting area to talk about it when we're talking about the church I see where we all work together. But if you continue on from there, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. That word preach, it has to do with like this proclamation where we proclaim the biblical truth. There's times from the pulpit that we teach you the word of God line upon line and precept upon precept. There's other times where we just proclaim this is God's truth to you. Preaching has to do more with that exuberant proclamation. 
okay? But it's not whether the time is right or not right. The time in your life is you always need to be ready to give an account of the hope that God has placed within you. So no matter where you're at, who you encounter, if someone says, I need Jesus, which most people don't normally do, but when you're talking to someone and the emotion gets stirred up because they're going through a crisis and they're broken a little bit and they need some help and they need some love, that's when you extend a loving hand. Take a minute out of your life and stop and pray with them. Would it be okay if I prayed with you for a minute? You don't even have to tell them they have to come join the church. Just love people, they will want to join community as you love them. It goes on, it says, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching for the times coming when people will no longer listen to wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. We have those in the culture, you can find them on YouTube. People make the Bible say all kinds of stuff. We always want to adhere to sound doctrine. We want this church to be a church that is based on the principles of the Word of God. We want to teach biblical truth. So we're always going to adhere to what the Scriptures teach. You know, people come to me and say, well, I appreciate your opinion. Well, in this case, I'm kind of giving the Scripture. It's not really my opinion. And then they'll come and give me their opinion, and I say, well, I appreciate your opinion. And they go, that's not fair. You're biased. Or what do they call me? A bigot. (laughs) I simply just flipped the words you used against me, pointed to the scriptures and said, go argue with him. I didn't say it. And then I flipped it around on their conversation and they didn't like that. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses 12 to 18, because we talked about freedom and hope and healing and deliverance, because that's what the word of God produces inside of your life. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day whenever the old covenant's being read, the same veil covers people's minds so they can't understand truth. See, the old covenant is great except that it always pointed to the cross. The Old Testament law, it's like a veil. (laughs) You couldn't keep it if you wanted to. That's why through the lens of the cross, now that we're on the other side of the cross, when we see the purpose of the cross, we can gain some understanding and some insight. But realistically, it was like blinders over their eyes. They couldn't follow the truth if they wanted to. They tried and failed. But the veil can only be removed, how? By believing in Christ Jesus. By believing in Christ. That's how the veil gets removed. It's through Jesus that the veil gets removed. You want to walk in freedom, you got to get out of the bondage of legalism. You got to get out of the bondage of legalism. I get it. There's things we're supposed to do as Christians, but so many times we're legalistic about it. Your relationship with God is a relationship. You ever have a relationship with someone that's legalistic? Think about it. Come up here, Angel. Can you imagine a husband and wife that live like this? Okay, listen, this is our day. Tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, we will wake up and say hello to each other. And then at 7.15, we will nod at each other as we pass through the 
course of the morning. And then at 10 minutes to 8, you will give me a kiss on the cheek as we walk out the door. And then at lunchtime, you will call and say, hey, I was thinking of you. And at dinner time, we will sit down together and we will enjoy dinner. But if we pre-program every little thing like that, is there much relationship in it? It's just a series of legalistic things that we have to do each day as we go through the motions. Do you see what I'm talking about? I got you up here. Should I get, no, you can go sit down for a minute. <laughs> but see, in relationship... There's other interaction. You have to have communication. You have to have conversation. It can't be, you can't pre-program every conversation you're going to have for the whole day. That's legalism. It's scripted. Your actors and actresses, if it's scripted, there's no relationship there. I sometimes wonder if that's why so many people in Hollywood have such a hard time. They're so good at acting, they never know how to be themselves. Then again, in the church, there's so many people that are so performance motivated because they're so people-pleasing that they're never themselves. They don't know how to be them. I just want to please others all the time. The veil can only be removed by believing in Jesus Christ or in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writing, their hearts are covered with a veil they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, this is what I want you to catch. For the Lord is a spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? So all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord whose spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. In Christ, where the Spirit of God is, freedom comes. When freedom comes to your life, you start taking on the image of Christ, and suddenly the broken image mirror starts transforming into becoming one who carries the image of the Creator as we were designed. And then, as you carry the image of the Creator, as you carry the image of the Creator, you start reflecting to the world what the Creator wants us to look like, and you see His healing and His power and His deliverance brought to people. But we have to be image bearers. And we have to have an understanding that we start as broken image bearers. And then the power of God comes into our life and starts transforming us into his image and likeness. And as we go through that process, we become restored to wholeness so that we can truly reflect his glory and his image to the culture. And when we do that corporately, the power of God hits our church and everything changes. You should be way more excited about that. <laughs> Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So now we're talking about hope because remember I said it's the word of God that activates what deliverance and hope and freedom, healing. These things are activated by the word of God. The hope that we have is because of what? Some of you are confused on that. Who is your hope in? Jesus. What did he do for us? Why did he die? To restore us to relationship. Sure. What happens as sons instead of slaves? Freedom. 
guys are getting this. See, it all connects together. <laughs> One more verse. Mark 6, 12 and 13. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed how many? Many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So when the word of God goes forth and we become image bearers, we start seeing greater results of healing and deliverance as a result of us reflecting his glory more accurately. So people in our church, we want to be image bearers. We want to be image carriers. We want to take the image of Christ that he created us in, men and women, he created us in his image, and we want to start reflecting God's glory to the masses. So when we love people truly, it's going to help us to reflect his glory better. When we're in the process and God restores us to wholeness, he takes us from a place of brokenness and he moves us over into a place of wholeness, then we start reflecting his glory more. And we do this for the benefit of others. We do this for the benefit of the body. We all take our gifts, our talents, our abilities, and we use them to be a blessing to others. But see, we don't do this out of legalism. We do this because we love people and we want to see people touched. We want to see people changed. We want to see people helped. We want to see people transformed. I do. What about you? I asked at the first service, I said, why do you come to church? Don't answer that out loud. One guy said, because my wife tells me to. Why do you come to church? We come to church to what? To worship together? We do. We come to church to be in community together. See, in community, that's where we most fully express the biblical mandate to use our gifts to serve others. It's in the community. And if we're doing life together as a community of believers, what does that look like to you? See, now we're starting to get into the let's activate the love of God inside of our life because love overlooks. Look, don't be fooled. There's always consequence for your actions, but you know what? It's not always my job to enforce the consequence in your life. Sometimes you have to walk out the natural consequences of your choices, and sometimes God gets involved. But at the end of the day, if I have to choose between I judge you or God judges you, I'm going to leave that in his hands. He'll accomplish a much better result, right? And don't get me wrong, I know there's things I have to judge within the congregation, but I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about the value judging that goes on with people talking about the, the attitudes we have against people because of their belief system or their walk in life or their place in life. We've sat around here for years. I'm no better than you and you're no better than me. In Christ, we all get better than we used to be. We're all in this process together. We all come into the community together. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week in Jesus and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.